The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We start with stocks riding a five-session win streak as tech continues to power Wall Street higher. We will see if a key economic report today will add some fuel to the rally's fire. Also, another big day for earnings. We're watching shares of Tesla. They're now taking a hit after a major sales warning for the year ahead. Speaking of earnings, we're keeping our eye on Big Blue as shares of IBM may rocket higher despite a bit of a sour outlook on the broader economy. Plus, another hit for Boeing as federal regulators put a cap on its 737 MAX production plants, but clears a path for the MAX 9 to get back up in the air. And then later in the show, a new bidder emerges in the Sherry Redstone Paramount Sale Saga. It is Thursday, January the 25th, 2024. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start your day. As always, we kick off the hour with the check on U.S. stock futures with the S&P 500 coming off yet another record close and looking to extend its five-session win streak. Take a look in the green across the board. Looks like the Dow would open up about 100 points higher. Okay, we continue to see some signs of the rally broadening out beyond the Magnificent Seven. This morning, 66 S&P 500 companies, they're trading at an all-time high or a 52-week high. That includes Meta Platforms, which just crossed the $1 trillion market cap mark yesterday. Also, a number of other big names, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, Microsoft, which is now trading at just under a $3 trillion market cap, Marriott and Waste Management also hitting new highs as well. So on the back of that ASML report yesterday, we also have a number of chip names in record territory and hitting all-time highs. We're talking about who else? NVIDIA is on this list, Broadcom, Applied Materials, AMD, and LAM Research. You can see AMD up uh, just about 1%. NVIDIA doing the best out of all the stocks in this, this board right now, up one and a quarter percent. Okay, perhaps helping that sector even more today, it's IBM. Shares taking off after a top and a bottom line earnings beat. We're going to get much more in big blue in just a moment. But first, we're going to check the bond market. With the 20- and 30-year yields hitting their highest level in more than six weeks, taking a look at the benchmark tenure right now at 4.15, uh, ticking up a few basis points from the levels that we saw yesterday during the show. We're also looking at oil hitting its highest level in just about a month. Taking a look right now, WTI, the U.S. benchmark, Trading at about 76 and a quarter a barrel, up one and a half percent. Brent crude right now trading up almost one and a half percent, trading at about 81 and 15 cents a barrel. Okay, that is your morning setup. Now we want to turn to a news alert out of Washington. The Biden administration announcing a new round of money for infrastructure projects this morning. The White House revealing five billion dollars for 37 major projects across the U.S. The largest item for the fresh spending is $1 billion to build a replacement for the Blatnick Bridge connecting Minnesota and Wisconsin. The president will visit that bridge today to announce the spending two years after he was there to celebrate the initial signing of the bipartisan infrastructure law. We'll have much more on this later on in the hour. Okay, turning back to the market and stocks. And outside of earnings, key to the market action today will be the fourth quarter GDP report out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Economists are expecting a 2% increase compared to the previous 4.9% read. 
That potential slowdown highlighting the economic impact of higher interest rates, which are now at a 22-year high. Let's talk more about this and what it means for the markets and for your money with Annika Trion, chief economist at Van Slot, Van Landschlot Kempen, a firm with more than 100 billion in euros under management. Annika, good morning. Great to see you. Good morning, Frank. Hi. So talk to us about what you're expecting from this GD report, GDP report and the market reaction. Are we in a situation where good news is actually bad news with the market pricing in six cuts this year? Well, I mean, we all know that growth is slowing down in the U.S., and mathematically it had to. The question is by how much. And I think it all, it's all about what markets have priced in in terms of rate cuts. And we do feel more comfortable because the rate cut expectations have calmed down a little bit if you compare what they are today versus where they were pre-Christmas. Um, in your mind, is six cuts likely reasonable? Um, we've seen the Fed signal that they're going to be three. The market se- seems to basically insist that we're going to have much more than three. In your mind, right now, as we, we go into PCE on Friday, where are you standing when it comes to the cut outlook? Well, there's so many angles to this, Frank, because it's, it's super interesting to see that on one hand, the, the Fed is being very outspoken. We're going to make this pivot. We're going to cut rates. And then the ECB is saying, wait a minute, we're not ready to be so outspoken because the bond markets have already eased financial conditions so much. Last year, central banks, I mean, for example, Europe, central banks lifted rates by 200 basis points, and the 10-year German uh, bond yield was actually down 50 basis points. U.S., they lifted 100 basis points, but bond yields in the U.S. were flattish. So that's one angle of it. But the other angle, and we all know what that is, it's U.S. election year. And when there's election year, you know, uh, policymakers do what they can to, uh, to sort of make, make, make people happy. That <laughs> angle is also uh, part of it. Let's be honest. All right. So obviously a lot of policymakers on election, they want to make people happy. But I want to talk to you about you and your research. Uh, You're currently negative on equities, especially here in the U.S., and you're very concerned about valuation. So so far this earnings season, with admittedly only a few companies reporting, about 16 percent reporting, EPS has come in three and a half percent above expectations. If we see this trend continue again, only 16 percent of companies reporting so far. But if it continues, does it ease some of your concerns about valuations? Does it justify these lofty valuations we're seeing? Yeah. So our concerns are around the index level. And you spoke about the Magnificent Seven again. I mean, you know, we've all been talking about it. If you look inside the index and look at companies, then that's less worrying. And the reason why we're worried at an index level is it's always simple to look at If you look at the risk that you take in equities compared to a relatively risk-free bond market, are you getting paid off for that risk, yes or no? That's your equity risk premium. It's normal that your equity should give you that premium of 3 4%. It now only gives you one in the U.S. equities. Look at the last, you know, especially the last few months of last year, soaring U.S. equity markets. Where did that come from? Mainly from valuation increases, not from earnings growth. So to your point, if companies can show strong earnings, we can be comfortable. And that is the case for certain companies. But at an index level, it's a little bit exaggerated. All right. We have to leave it there. Annika Trion, great to see you as always. Thank you. Thanks. All right. We're now turning to this morning's other top story in our big money mover. That is Tesla. Shares under pressure this morning after warning of weaker sales growth in the year ahead as it ramps up plans for its next generation vehicle. CNBC senior technology correspondent Arjun Kapal joins me now from London with much more looking at Tesla shares right now. Uh, pretty deep in the red after earnings. 
Yeah, absolutely, Frank. Look, Tesla's earnings are 71 cents per share, as well as its revenue in the fourth quarter. Missed expectations, hence that fall (coughs) in after hours trade. Automotive revenue, a closely watched metric, came in at $21.6 billion for the quarter, posting just 1% growth. But the biggest concern, really, for the market was Tesla's warning that vehicle volume growth in 2024, quote, may be notably lower than 2023 as the company works uh, towards launching its next generation vehicle. Now, Tesla has been slashing prices in key markets like China and Europe, which has contributed to that slowdown as its margins have remained under pressure in 2023. And investors are watching now if Tesla may cut prices further amid this continued competition, in particular from the Chinese EV makers and in particular BYD. Now, speaking of new vehicles, Tesla boss Elon Musk said he sees the company delivering around a quarter million of its Cybertrucks a year without specifying a timeline, however, although the the company said that the production ramp up of that vehicle will take longer than other models due to the manufacturing difficulties of it, the complexities. Now, looking ahead, Elon Musk also said Tesla expects to start production of its next generation vehicle in Texas in the second half of 2025. And it certainly was a tough quarter, Frank, for Tesla with expectations high. And it's going into the rest of the year facing a very difficult macro environment and rising competition across the world, Frank. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Right now, also, Arjun, we're looking at Tesla suppliers right now. We see they're under quite a bit of pressure this morning. I want to go back to something you talked about uh, at the very beginning, China and some of the price cuts that Tesla's had to do there. Uh, I want to play a soundbite for you as well. Elon Musk, he issued a pretty stern warning over that Chinese competition. The Chinese car companies are the most competitive car companies in the world. Um, So I think they will have significant success Uh, outside of China, uh, depending on what kind of tariffs or trade barriers are established. Uh, Frankly, I think if if there are not trade barriers established, they they will pretty much demolish (laughs) most other car companies in the world. So they're they're extremely good. All right, Arjun, I know you, you listened to the whole call. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I very rarely hear Elon Musk sound that down and just kind of, you know, said in that he might be beaten, basically. What, what was your take on those comments? It was really just kind of sour sounding. Yeah, well, what was really fascinating about those comments is the very same companies that Musk there is praising are the same ones that really pose the biggest threat to Tesla at this point. BYD in the fourth quarter of last year beat Tesla in terms of car sales. And that company in particular is now pushing aggressively overseas. Even here in the UK, you see a lot of marketing on TV, on billboards, and BYD is making a play as well for other countries in Europe and also Southeast Asia. These are markets where Tesla also plays. And Chinese firms like BYD, like Xpeng, like Neo, they're all launching cars quite aggressively, very quickly. Every few months, a brand new model comes out and always trying to be one step ahead, in particular on their technology around the software side of the car, some of those self-driving features, etc. And that is something, of course, Tesla and Elon Musk is very aware of. He's seen that competition in China. And it's certainly uh, something that not, not only can pose a threat to Tesla, but also some of the other traditional OEMs who, to some extent, have been quite behind in this electric vehicle race, Frank. Yeah, looking at some of the other EV makers in China right now, BYD down a half a percent, somewhat surprisingly after that Tesla report, but Tesla down 7%. Arjun Kapal, always great to see you. Thank you. All right, time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana, good morning. 
Hey, Frank, good Thursday morning. We're watching shares of Boeing making another sharp move lower this morning after the FAA put new limits on the company's 737 MAX jet production expansion plans. Now, in a statement late last night, the agency said it will not agree to any new requests from Boeing for an expansion in production or approve <coughs> additional production lines for the MAX until we are satisfied quality control issues have been resolved. Boeing currently produced about 30 MAX jets per month. The news coming with a small sign of relief, however, with United and Alaska Air announcing that some of their 737 MAX 9 planes will return to service as soon as Friday. Shares of Paramount Global popping in the pre-market. Sources close to the matter tell CNBC David Ellison's Skydance Media and its backers are exploring a deal to take Paramount private. According to sources, Skydance has exchanged preliminary information with Paramount, but full due diligence has yet to begin. The plan would involve buying National Amusements, that's the, that's the holding company owned by Sherry Redstone, which controls 77% of Paramount's voting stock, and then merging Skydance with Paramount. And Hewlett-Packard Enterprise disclosing its cloud-based email system was hacked by the same Russian intelligence group that compromised Microsoft and SolarWinds. HPE said the group accessed and exfiltrated data beginning in May 2023 from a small percentage of mailboxes belonging to individuals in our cybersecurity, go-to-market, business segments, and other functions, Frank. All right, Silvana, thank you very much. We'll see you later on the show. All right, we got a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, much more on Tesla's rough report. And the one thing our next guest says could turn things around for the stock. Plus, we are digging into what's been a rough year for luxury stocks in the key industry report out later today. Then later in the show, a China property stock rebound underway as Beijing looks to step up its support for the sector. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Taking a look at futures right now, solidly in the green. Looks like the Dow would open up about 85 points higher, but as we always say, it's early. We're also looking at some of the gainers on the Dow. IBM, after that blow earnings report, one of the big gainers here. You see it's up 7.5%. Intel reports later today up almost 1.5%. All right, let's see how Europe is shaping up as its trading day gets underway. Sylvia Amaro is in our London newsroom with much more on the early action. Sylvia, good morning. 
Good morning, Frank. Well, let me give you some context. Yesterday, we actually saw the stock 600 ending Wednesday's session up by more than 1%. We saw European equities benefiting from that positive momentum that we had seen stateside, additional stimulus measures over in China, and also some positive earnings news from Europe. But as you look at equity markets today, you can see to my left that it is red across the board. I will just highlight that in Germany, the market is down by about 0.3%. We're seeing the biggest moves to the downside over in Spain, down by almost 1%. And this as we are counting down to the ECB's first rate decision of the year. The central bank is widely expected to keep rates on hold as attention turns to the time of cuts this year. Markets are pricing in a 62% chance of a cut at the April meeting. That is the latest uh, opinion from markets. But of course, the biggest move is expected actually by June, by the spring. If I just show you quickly how European bond yields are moving at the stage, you can see that they're mostly moving higher across the board. We had seen a lot of investors attracted to European debt earlier this week, trying to get on that higher yield. But let's see, Frank, what sort of message we'll get from the ECB about these potential rate cuts and what that will mean also for the bond market. All right, Sylvia, thank you very much. Sylvia Morrow in our London newsroom. All right, turning now to the world's largest luxury goods maker, LVMH, reporting full-year results in just a few hours after the European markets closed. The French company behind brands such as Louis Vuitton, Tiffany, Dior, Sephora, and Bulgari is expected to report profit of roughly $17 billion, with sales topping $93 billion. But with investors focusing on slowing growth in the luxury sector, LVMH shares, you see them right here, they're down about 20% in the past six months. So during that time, LVMH was surpassed by Novo Nordisk as Europe's most valuable company. All right, let's talk much more about LVMH and the state of the luxury industry and high-end consumers. Javier Gonzalez-Lastrin is an investment partner and portfolio manager at Tema ETFs. He runs the firm's luxury ETF, which trades on the NYSE under the ticker LUX or LUX. Javier, good morning. Great to have you here. Good morning, Frank. So Thank let, you for having me. It's great to have you. Let's start off talking about LVMH. They report later today. So, According to you, the leather goods segment, that's really key to this report. It's where LVMH really gets its profit from. Of course, that includes the iconic Louis Vuitton bag. It's just like everybody knows that bag, okay? So you say the forecast is for 9% growth this quarter. You say if it meets 9% or even exceeds, that's a bullish sign for the sector. But tell me why, because in the first half of the year, they had 20% growth. So with that big drop-off, why is that a good sign? Yeah, sure. I mean, we all know that uh, luxury sector right now is uh, in the middle of a perfect storm with uh, the um, slowdown in the in the in the consumer in in the U.S. We had uh, uh, travel still very restricted globally. Uh, the Chinese consumer seems to be under pressure uh, from many fronts. So clearly, we've seen a slowdown of uh, growth in the sector, which I think, as you point out, very very rightly, um, the, the bellwether stock LVMH has come to to reflect with that uh, uh, decline in the share price in the last uh, in the last uh, six months. Um, I think what the market or investors are looking for is uh, understanding better whether we are closer to the uh, bottom of the earnings cycle revision. I think things are likely to get tougher as we move into Q1 and Q2, simply okay. because you have a lot higher comparatives. Um, but I think uh, uh, forecasts are reflecting that. So 
I could bring to, uh, later today and uh, more a bit uh, comments or more confident comments from the from the manager maybe maybe in the conference call okay. could help uh, to could help investors um, possibly yeah possibly looking at shares right now they're down about a half a percent right now Javier um, also you say there's a there's a divergence between soft luxury which is like a Louis Vuitton bag and I guess hard luxury which is like jewelry. For example, Richmond shares, they're up 14% since their earnings last week. They own the uh, Cartier brand and also Van Cleef and Arpels. Give us a sense. Why is hard luxury, I guess, or just jewelry, why is that doing so much better? Um, I think it's uh, the result of not having enjoyed such a high peak through the pandemic boom. I think uh, historically what we've seen is that hard luxury tends to be more cyclical than, uh, than soft luxury. But I think this time is a little bit different in that soft luxury has enjoyed a much bigger peak than, than hard luxury and actually may prove um, that this time in this uh, uh, slowdown cycle, okay. the uh, hard luxury may, may prove more resilient. And I think uh, uh, the, the numbers from Richmond earlier, earlier this month um, has has actually supported that case. Okay. I want to ask you something else that's related to Richmond, but I want to talk to you about the general luxury sector. Um, in-store shopping. Richmond said in-store shopping was really a boost to the quarter. They opened up new stores in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. They opened up a new store in Soho here in New York. Um, how important is, is in-store shopping when it comes to luxury spending and these high-end consumers? Uh, very important. I mean, obviously, we've seen a migration of some sales to digital, but I think consumers... When they buy luxury goods, they still want to um, go through the experience, uh, the shopping experience that uh, only the um, uh, brick and mortar can can deliver. So right. I, I think to your question, it's, it's, it's still very, very key driver of, okay. uh, of, of sales. Javier, I got one more question for you. Uh, Burberry down about 25 percent since earnings. They said there's soft demand. They said soft sales in China were a big part of that story. You run the, the ETF, the LUX ETF. You got a number of companies in there. L'Oreal, Burberry's in there as well. How important is China to the entire luxury sector, whether it be hard luxury, soft luxury, alcohol, et cetera? Uh, very important in absolute terms as of today, and even more important in terms of the uh, the region being a, a growth driver. So uh, the fact that uh, consumers there are still under under pressure or um, not not showing, let's say, confidence uh, to to purchase this uh, the luxury goods. Uh, um, it's it's a, it's an important uh, okay. uh, matter for the space. Javier Gonzalez Laster, great to see you. You say it's all about hard luxury right now. Thanks a lot for being here. All right, coming up on Worldwide Exchange, a Hampton home price record. As sales prices in towns on the tip of Long Island, they surge to all-time highs. That is just one of your top trending stories, and it's coming up when Wex returns. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. All right. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. We're going to start with IBM. 
Those shares popping on a top and bottom line Q4 beat, including more free cash flow than projected. The company also unveiling a $500 million venture fund for enterprise AI startups and says it plans to buy software companies, stream sets and web methods for $2.3 billion. IBM adding it expects $12 billion in 2024 free cash flow and revenue growth in the mid single digits. Those shares right now, as you can see, up over 7 percent. Shares of CSX, though, they're under pressure. The railroad giant reporting a 13% drop in profit and an 8% decline in operating profit. Still, CSX says it hauled slightly more freight during the quarter and kept its trains running smoothly. CSX CEO Joe Henricks will be on CNBC today at 10.25 a.m. Eastern Time. Trucking, not going much better. A very rough report from Knight Swift, the nation's largest trucker, which posted Q4 earnings and revenue misses. Earnings guidance for Q1 and Q2 also coming in well below expectations. CEO David Jackson remarked, considerable truckload rate and cost pressure continues to mount as the truckload oversupply continues to rationalize and the industry approaches equilibrium. Weak demand isn't helping the pricing situation, as he mentioned that freight demand remains stable, but at low levels. And Chinese property stocks, they're jumping on the news. The country's central bank is taking steps to boost liquidity in that sector. The new measures, which will be valid until the end of this year, allow banks to issue loans to commercial real estate firms with good comprehensive benefits, a real estate ownership certificate, and operating property for collateral. Shares of Country Garden, Logan Group, and Longfor Group, they're all higher on the announcement. Uh, Longfor doing the best, up about 8%. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, a Boeing supplier shock after the FAA grounded planes for any 737 MAX production expansion. Our Phil LeBeau, he's going to be here. He's standing by with much more on this big story. Stay with us. It is 530 here in the New York City area, and there's a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. The records, they keep coming with the S&P and the NASDAQ 100 continuing to hit fresh all-time highs. Futures are working for more gains. Also, we have new developments in the ongoing Boeing saga, the company getting approval to start bringing its MAX 9 back into service following that mid-flight blowout. Our Phil LeBeau is standing by with the very latest. Also, Tesla shares taking a hit as the EV maker warns of a rough road ahead when it comes to growth. We're going to break down the numbers driving those declines on this Thursday, January the 25th, 2024. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start your day. As always, we kick off the half an hour with a check on U.S. stock futures with the S&P 500 coming off yet another record close and looking to extend its five-session win streak. Take a look. You see the S&P fractionally higher right now, but here's what we want to pay attention to. The Nasdaq turning into the red while we've been doing this show. Just a short time ago, it was fractionally higher. We'll continue to watch the action on the Nasdaq futures. So ahead of the open, though, we do see we continue to see some signs of the rally just broadening out beyond the Magnificent Seven. So this morning, 66 S&P 500 companies, they are trading at an all-time high or a 52-week high, and that includes Meta Platforms, which just crossed the $1 trillion market cap mark yesterday, also Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, Microsoft, which is now trading just below a $3 trillion market cap. Marriott and Waste Management also hitting new highs as well. And also, we got to take a quick check of the bond market this morning with the 20 and the 30-year yields hitting their highest level in more than six weeks. The benchmark right now, the 10-year at 4.15, almost 4.16, ticking up a few basis points higher, well, 4.16 right now than we saw yesterday. Okay, that is your morning setup now. We want to turn to the latest developments on Boeing as that stock takes a hit in the pre-market. The FAA granting the company's production plans around its 737 MAX jets. But some progress for Boeing in its push to get its MAX 9 back up into the sky. 
Our Phil Lebeau joins us now with the very latest. Phil, good morning. Frank, when you look at the 737 MAX, the FAA made a decision yesterday that is good news for the airlines that are operating the MAX 9s that were grounded, but certainly not good news for Boeing in terms of its plans to expand production. So here's the FAA decision that came out yesterday, and here's what it means both for Boeing as well as the airlines that fly their planes. The rules have been set for ungrounding those MAX 9s at Alaska and at United, they can start doing the work to make sure that the planes are ready to fly again. Meanwhile, the FAA is telling Boeing, you cannot expand max production. And if you want to expand it in the future, we're going to have to give you final approval on that. That is one decision along with reviewing Boeing's safety culture. We expect a report from the FAA regarding that safety culture sometime likely in the next couple of weeks. But it's the halt on expansion that is weighing on shares of Boeing. Remember, they make 38, 737 maxes per month right now supposed to go up to 42 this quarter and then ultimately 50 per month in 2025 2026 does the company now slow down those plans push them out even further which obviously has implications in terms of revenue free cash flow guidance etc in a statement yesterday boeing said we will continue to cooperate fully and transparently with the faa and follow their direction as we take, a, uh, take action to strengthen safety and quality at Boeing, we will also work closely with our airline customers as they complete the required inspection procedures to safely return their 737-9 airplanes to service. All right, let's talk about those airlines, the two airlines that operate the bulk of the MAX 9s that have been grounded. First off, there's United Airlines. Its MAX 9s will start to fly as early as Sunday. These planes have been in place They have teams that have been ready not only to do the inspections, but to make sure that they meet the new rules that have been laid out. They have 79 737 MAX 9 planes. And then there is Alaska, which has its MAX 9s set to resume flights as early as Friday. So tomorrow we could start to see some MAX 9s going back into air. Uh, into service. Speaking of Alaska, we're going to be talking with Ben Minicucci, CEO of Alaska, a little bit later on today. Huge day for airline earnings with American, Southwest, and Alaska. We will hear from the men who run those airlines throughout the morning and throughout the day. But these are th- this is a big decision from the FAA, Frank, because for Boeing, max production is the key. It, it is the, the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak, in terms of revenue, free cash flow, et cetera. And if you cannot expand that as planned, you're going to have to say make some changes here over the, the near term, certainly. But then what's the implication over the next year or so? All right. So you're saying the FAA halting max production expansions, what's hitting the stock. I also want to look ahead to that FAA report about the culture there at Boeing. You've done some great reporting. You've been right. speaking to the FAA administrator. What are you expecting? Are there penalties that could come out of that? What kind of changes could come out of a report like this? Certainly changes in terms of how they inspect aircraft before they leave Renton, Washington, final assembly plant for for Boeing. That That's a given. And we already see FAA inspectors who are now on the, uh, the shop floor checking the work at key points, making sure that Boeing is doing what it's supposed to be doing. So you're going to see that. In terms of fines, et cetera, it's too early to know if we're going to see something like that, Frank. But this is the FAA realizing that what happened during the MAX after the crashes in 2018, 2019, and the FAA was really criticized, and rightly so in many ways, for being too slow to act previously with Boeing. They're not doing that this time around. Mike Whitaker realizes their job is to be a regulator. 
And that's what they're doing. They are making sure <laughs> that all of the rules and regulations are, are followed and that this doesn't happen again. You can't have a piece of a plane fly off in mid-flight. So that's, that's at the heart of what's going to happen here. Our, our Phil LeBeau. Phil LeBeau, latest on Boeing. Again, the FAA halting production expansion for the MAX planes. Phil, great reporting as always. Thanks for being here. All right, we're going to turn to D.C. We have a news alert out of Washington now. This morning, the Biden administration announcing billions of dollars in fresh infrastructure spending. The president and other administration members, they're on the road today to promote the new spending and the progress in the broader economy. Megan Casella joins us now with much more. Megan, good morning. That's right, Frank. The administration is announcing $5 billion in funding for 37 projects across the country, the biggest of which will be a billion dollars for a bridge connecting Minnesota and Wisconsin. And that's where Biden will be for his speech later today. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is also headed to the Midwest. She'll be in Chicago later today to kick off what her team says will be a stepped up travel schedule with the goal of showing voters that President Biden's economic policies are working. Americans have been downbeat on the economy for months, and the Biden administration needs that to change before the election. Frank. You mentioned that Janet Yellen is going to be in Chicago today. She's making a speech and she wants to talk about the economy. What is this pitch exactly? What does she want to talk to people about and I guess boost people's thoughts about? What she really wants to do is is really make a two pronged pitch to voters. On one hand, they're empathizing. They're saying we understand that price growth has been really high, that that's hit families' bottom lines. And they want to do more. Part of that is that, you know, elect us for a second term and we have more work to do on that front. On the other hand, though, they also want to celebrate the wins that they've had, that price growth has really slowed, that wages are rising, that jobs are plentiful, and that wealth is rising. That's the pitch that she's going to make. All right. I've been on social media. If you look at the POTUS site on social media, if you hear just Joe Biden talking on TV, he's been kind of saying that for a couple months. How is what they're doing today? How's that different from what they have been doing? Definitely. We've heard a lot of this before, but I think what we haven't seen from the administration before is really a concerted push like this to combat some of that economic pessimism that's in the economy. You know, this is almost an implicit acknowledgement that there is all of that negativity out there that you've seen on social media and that they really have more work to do. They're going to draw some direct parallels and contradictions with the Trump administration and what was done then. And they're going to you know, just talk a lot more frequently about this moving forward. Yeah, you know, we had a guest on a couple days ago talking about a vibes recession when it came to the economy. Uh, I want to ask you, I want to ask you to look ahead. Tomorrow we have PCE. How much does the latest consumer sentiment data, does it figure in to the timing of this push? I think it's something that the Biden administration has really welcomed. PCE is likely to look good. GDP figures are likely to look good for the administration. And we've seen sentiment jump up, perhaps because of that. So they're really hoping the wind is at their backs on this. They expect those trends to continue in their favor between now and November, that inflation will continue to slow, that wages will continue to rise, that growth will stay steady, especially as they continue to roll out more of this stimulus funding. They're hoping that's the case. But then again, there's still a lot of time left between now and November. All right. Megan Gisela, live in D.C. Great to have you here on Worldwide Exchange. Thank you. Thank All right. You. Coming up here on WEX, shares of Tesla hitting reverse following earnings and worries around growth. Where our next guest is still bullish on the EV maker, despite a few bumps in the road. But first, we have some of your top trending stories. Mondays, they just got a whole lot more interesting. Late night legend John Stewart announcing his return to The Daily Show starting on February the 12th. He's going to stay on the show through the 2024 election cycle. Stewart hosted the program for more than a decade before leaving back in 2015. Speaking of legendary returns, the NFL is welcoming back its own familiar face 
Michigan head coach, I guess former Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, swapping the Wolverines for the Chargers as he takes the head position for the L.A. team. His return to the NFL comes after spending the last nine seasons, nine seasons at his alma mater, where he led the team to the national title earlier this month. And competition isn't just heating up in football, it's also surging in the Hamptons. Home prices there are hitting record highs after sales rose for the first time in 10 quarters. While listings have seen an uptick in recent months, there are still more buyers and sellers with one in four deals ending in bidding wars. Much more wet coming up in a minute. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange, a market flash on shares of ResMed jumping after beating estimates on strong sleep apnea device sales. You can see shares are up eight and a half percent. The company brushing off concerns over drugs that are currently in late stage testing to treat sleep apnea. They say adoption is expected to lead to greater growth over time. Again, shares of ResMed up eight and a half percent. All right, we're getting one more look at one of your morning's big money movers, and it's, it's Tesla, of course, it's Tesla. Lower after the EV maker missed fourth quarter revenue and profit expectations, the automotive revenue rising just 1% from a year earlier, while total revenue increased by 3%. Tesla also warning of notably lower vehicle volume growth as it works towards launching its next-generation vehicle. Also on the call, CEO Elon Musk throwing out the possibility of creating a dual-class structure as he weighs future innovation at Tesla. I don't want to control it, but if I have so little influence uh, over the company at that stage that um, I could so sort of be voted out by some sort of random shareholder advisory firm, um, you know, we've had a lot of challenges with uh, institutional shareholder services, uh, ISS, I call them ISIS. If we could do a dual, dual class stock, that would be ideal. I'm not looking for additional economics. Um, I just want to be an effective steward of very powerful technology. Tesla's move lower, also dragging down EV stocks in Asia. That includes Li Auto, BYD, Xpeng, NEO, and Geely Automotive, which Musk says could dominate the space if key tariffs are not put in place. Let's talk much more about the quarter with George Gianricus, Managing Director at Canaccord Genuity. George, good morning. Great to have you here. Morning, Frank. Thanks for having me on. All right, so you got some new research out. You lowered your price target on Tesla. You still have a buy, but you lowered the price target. New price target, 234, was 267. You still see a more than 20% upside in the stock. But I want to ask, why did you lower the price target? Well, look, uh, the quarter itself had some puts and takes. There was a small improvement in what we call pure auto gross margin, a slowdown in energy storage growth. But the real story was a lack of pinpoint guidance for 2024 unit sales. Like you said, the, the company talked about a slowdown in growth as it finds itself between growth waves. You know, and our note to clients was a call for patience. You know, we called it a time to bide time. Uh, tech adoption curves are never smooth, Frank. You have slowdowns and accelerations in growth. And for some over the last 100 plus years, you've even had a reduction in penetration during times of economic stress. And we're now in a slowdown period growth of, uh, of, for Tesla. Okay. Look, it's not great, uh, but, but we're not long-term bears. There are way too many good things going on, whether it's next-generation vehicles, full self-driving. Okay. I mean, George, in all fairness, I think you're actually a, a long-term bull. You have 20% upside for the stock. She also pointed out uh, gross auto margin, which beat expectations, but is still well down from a year ago. I, I do want to ask you. How did it beat expectations with Tesla cutting prices in China and cutting prices in Europe? Explain that for people out there who are Tesla investors, because that's such a key metric. Sure. It's a really good question. It was a very marginal beat relative to expectations. And if you recall, over the last several quarters, we've seen margins come down 
quite a bit. So we, we've bottomed, it looks like, but it was a very small bounce. We actually think that in terms of upside catalysts, call it over the next six to 12 months, we may see a more material improvement in margins because we don't think the company is going to cut prices as much as they have over the last several quarters. All right. Two big questions. Again, your price target is 234. You see a 20 percent upside over the next year for this company. Um, before, the estimates were for, were for 20 percent growth in vehicle sales. Tesla said it's going to be notably lower. Give us give us a ballpark figure where you think that's going to be. And what's going on with this next generation new platform vehicle? I mean, how optimistic or not optimistic are you about it? I'm hearing some people say it's supposed to compete with like a Honda Accord. Yeah, totally. So we see vehicle sales this year in 2024 of 2.1 million versus 1.8 million uh, in 2023. And with regard to the next generation platform, we think it could be a very, very big deal. It's the car that's going to get Tesla to its long term goal of about 20 million units. And they just did 1.8. Right. So that's a lot of growth going forward. And we think that's going to be the, the mass market vehicle that takes Tesla to the next level. All right. George Enrique says this this next gen vehicle is going to take Tesla to 20 million vehicles. Price target 234. George, always great to see you. Thank you. Thanks, Frank. All right. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, the one word that every investor needs to know today. Plus, why our next guest says bad news around today's GDP reading may actually be good for the markets and its record run. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Much more WEX coming up after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Sources telling CNBC, David Ellison, Skydance Media, is exploring a deal to merge with Paramount Global and take the company private. HPE says its cloud-based email system was breached by the same Russian intelligence group responsible for the Microsoft hack last week and SolarWinds back in 2020. Shares of Las Vegas Sands moving higher on a surge in Q4 revenue, boosted by top-line growth at its casinos. The company says it remains deeply enthusiastic about growth opportunities in Macau and Singapore as the operating environment in both regions continues to improve. Don't miss a CNBC exclusive with Las Vegas Sands CEO Rob Goldstein at 2 p.m. Eastern time today. IBM also getting a boost after topping fourth quarter expectations. The company also announcing a $500 million venture fund for enterprise AI startups, as well as its intent to buy two software companies for $2.3 billion. CSX shares, they're lower after reporting an 8% decline in operating income and a 13% drop in revenue. Still, the company says its railroad remains reliable and it expects profitable growth this year. And Chinese property stocks, they're surging on news the country will help boost the liquidity available to property developers through the end of the year. Taking a look at the sector, we see Country Garden up almost 6%. Logan Group doing the best, up almost 7%. Actually, I take it back, Long for up over 8 Let's see how the markets are shaping up with the S&P and the Nasdaq 100 continuing to, to test its uh, new all-time highs. Taking a look right now, uh, the Nasdaq just dipping slightly back into negative territory. However, the Dow moving to highs of the morning, looking like it would open up almost 100 points higher. Let's bring in Patrick Frizzetti, Managing Director at Rose Advisors at Hightower with $1.5 billion in assets under management. Patrick, good morning. It is great to have you here. Good morning, Frank. Thanks for having me. All right. So a lot on tap when it comes to economic reports today. We also have the president out and about. Give us a sense. How do you see today shaping up? What's your WEX word of the day? Well, I'll, I'll start the WEX word of the day with uh, preparation. Uh, I think every 
you know, every investor out there needs to be prepared not only for today, but for the year. Let's be honest. I think they need to probably look to, to re- rebalance their portfolios. But to the the economic data that's in front of us, GDP's um, <clears throat> coming in today. I mean, the last quarter was at 4.9%, very good growth. And we're expecting 1.5% today. I mean, that's going to lead, I think, one, where the expectation of interest rates may may move. I mean, it's, this market is all about interest rates. Um, and then we'll have even more economic data uh, tomorrow with the PCE indicator. Um, and if that comes in, if the trend is lower, then, you know, I think the market will accept that. But if it's okay. not, I think be ready for some, some volatility with rates. Okay. Like many people, you're putting a lot of weight in that PCE report. And, I, and it sounds like you're saying good news is actually bad news when it comes to GDP later today. Um, I also want to talk about earnings season, obviously a, a critical um, event for the markets. So today we have Visa reporting and we also have Union Pacific. Um, yeah. Big West Coast Rail, we saw CS- CSX had some somewhat disappointing results. What are you expecting from Visa and UP and, and what is it going to tell you? Yeah, well, what it tells, it's an indicator, right? So start with railroads. So yes, CSX, that's more, you know, on the eastern United States. Some of it is still, you know, coal driven and things like that. But overall, uh, with Union Pacific, you know, they're a good indicator, the economy. I mean, are the costs of transportation going up or down? Are they getting pricing? Um, you know, what do shipments look like? What do carloads look like? I mean, those are the kind of indicators we're looking at looking for in terms of the health of the economy and the, the future growth of the economy. Okay. Um, when it comes to pick- Visa, Visa, Visa is going to be after the bell today. And I would just say that if you're looking at the health of the international consumer, let's see what Visa has to say. Okay. We got to get going. Your pick for us is uh, Procter & Gamble. Shares are up pretty big since earnings earlier this week. Really quick. Why Procter & Gamble right now? Because consumer staples underperformed last year. So, again, if you're going to be prepared, right, for, for this year, you want to have a rebalanced portfolio, you have to own a, a strong consumer staple. They had a great report. They're getting pricing and, and good, healthy volumes. All right. Patrick Rossetti, <clears throat> great to have you here as always. Thank you very much. One quick look at futures before we let you go. As we mentioned, the Nasdaq had dipped just very slightly in a negative territory. However, the Dow is pretty much at its highs of the morning, looking like it would open up about 95 points higher. That's going to do it for us. Squawk Box coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.